0: Hello, and welcome back to Building Wealth on the Go. I'm your host, Brad Wilson, and today is February 11th, 2021. We're back with Season 2, Episode 8 of our podcast, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Courtney Beach and Joe filio on today's episode, we are going to dive into uh, a very common question uh, and a very timely question when it comes to uh, the topic of RRSPs and the approaching tax season. So uh, there's lots for us to discuss um, and, you know, some of the biggest questions, most important questions that we get asked on a regular basis and that uh, are most common in the industry is, um, you know, How can I best use my RRSP or how can I best use a RRSP um, and uh, how can I navigate tax season most efficiently. So I think uh, it's most important that we begin this podcast by diving into what exactly are RRSPs. So Courtney, do you want to kind of give us a bit of an overview into what exactly an RRSP is?
1: Yeah, so RSPs have been around for a really long time um, since the 50s and the concept is basically you add to an RSP and you get a deduction on your income taxes and you can use that in uh, deduction for whatever you show you shut. Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> you can use that deduction for whatever you choose. Um, so many people use RSPs for that purpose, especially if you have a uh, high income, RSPs is a great benefit to you to reduce your income level.
2: Yeah, if I can jump into with maybe some some figures here, um, because often what we do with clients is kind of look at sort of what income level that they are to see whether they would benefit from the Mm RSP. So you got to remember, so the RSP essentially is to create a future pension for you. So it's a long term sort of plan. There are some short term benefits, which we can talk about as well. But it is sort of for that period in time when you're no longer going to be working. And and it's hard to kind of think about that, especially if you're just starting off you know and, and becoming employed uh, and you're early in your career. But the, the tax benefits are amazing and I can't believe that people don't want to take advantage of these tax advantage uh, tax strategies. So, very, very simple. If you're at, uh, you got to understand the difference between a marginal tax rate and your average tax rate. So, your marginal tax rate is at the top end of your income, the amount of taxes that you have to pay on that next dollar. Your average tax rate, of course, is the overall average, and of course, our tax system is structured that we pay sort of on a uh, on a, sort of a uh, an escalating basis. The more money you make, the more taxes you pay. So, at fifty thousand dollars, your marginal tax rate is about twenty nine point six five, and at one hundred thousand dollars a year of employment income, your marginal tax rate is forty three percent. So if you were to purchase a rsp make a contribution into an rsp it is your rsp and you contribute let's say $1000 into your rsp you get a $1000 deduction on your income tax return so at that marginal rate of 43% if you're at $100,000 you're getting $430 back in tax savings on that $1000 investment So why wouldn't you do it? Tell me, tell me, why wouldn't you do it? It just (laughs) makes total sense. And it's money in your pocket today because you can just say, okay, I'm gonna just not, no, I don't want those tax savings. I'd rather the government keep the taxes. If you're (laughs) one of those, then you're probably on the mailing list from the prime minister who thanks you every year for all the taxes that you pay. So why not take advantage of that great strategy you know, and a very overlooked strategy, even at a fifty thousand um, uh, dollar income, 29.65%, almost 30% back, so three hundred dollars back on that hypothetical thousand dollar RSP contribution. So, yeah. take advantage
1: of it. And as far as RSP room is, you get 18%, I think it is, right, uh, every year. Yeah, so and it uh, accumulates. So, if you have an contributed to your rsp in years or haven't maxed it out in a few years you are accumulating room and if you're looking for where you can find your current rsp room you can always go on my cra's website or you can look at your last notice of assessment because they always have it on there
0: yeah yeah so further to that point um the way you the way as Courtney was mentioning the way you accumulate room and and how much you're allowed to put into an rsp it is 18 percent uh, of your income up to a maximum. So the maximum that everyone can get each year is twenty six thousand five hundred as of right now, um, and uh, whichever is less between eighteen percent and that amount, that's how much you gain in 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 contribution room. Um, and and to your point there, Joe, about you know why not take advantage of it. There's there's two ways to look at it. One is is the concept of of time value of money. You know that four hundred dollars that you're getting back today. Yeah, you you might have to pay that you, you might have to pay that back down the road when you withdraw it from your RSP, but that's money is so much more valuable to you today than it is down the road when you're in retirement and withdrawing from your RSB. And the other uh, benefit is if you're in a high tax bracket, making a hundred thousand dollars or maybe more than a hundred thousand dollars, uh, when you're in retirement, you might need less money, you know, you might don't have to pay for dependents, uh, you might not have to pay for any mortgages or any or any debts. So you, you, you need less income to live off of. And you would be at that point in a lower tax bracket. So you're going to be saving the difference in taxes at that point. So there's really lots of benefits, no matter which way you look at it. Um, there is very, it's very advantageous to to start contributing to an RSP, even if you are at a $50,000 income, or even $40,000 income.
1: Uh, Yeah, and even conceptually, an RSP, when you put money in an RSP, a lot of people now, because they've been around for a long time, think of that money as money that they can't touch. So if you're a spendthrift, and you're worried about, okay, am I going to have money in retirement, RSPs are a great vehicle, because people are less likely to spend that money.
2: Yeah, and and I think we should, you know, uh, maybe back up a little bit and just say, RSP is an account type. Then mm-hmm. within the RSP, you can have an underlying investment. So this investment could be could be a savings account, although I don't know why you would put it in a savings account because it won't earn Not anything right now. for you. <laughs> or it could be a GIC, or it could be a mutual fund, or it could be a stock or a bond, whatever you want based on sort of your risk tolerance. You can grow, you can grow that contribution within the plan, and it grows tax deferred. So meaning that you're not paying any taxes on that money as it grows, and you did get a tax deduction for the contribution. And in theory, which is true theory, let's let's call it, when you retire, nine times out of 10, your income is going to be less when you're into retirement. It just stands to reason. There is that 1%, that you know, of, of the groups that are out there that when they retire, they actually make more money than when they were working. But most of us won't be in that situation. So our tax rate, again, getting back to that average or the marginal tax rate is going to be lower anyways. And keep in mind, when you are retired, there are tax credits, senior credits, age credits, pension credits that are eligible as well which bring your tax situation down. So you you do save and it's exactly as Brad says, is that time value of money is really, really important that a lot of people miss out on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's important, Joe. I think we got, we got very excited about the whole concept of RSPs. We kind of jumped the gun a little bit there and, uh, and, and kind of bringing it back to, to a high level, understanding that. And, and we do this a lot is we kind of break down the, the various types of accounts you can have. Right. And I think it's important we, 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 we address that. And, and the main, main accounts you can have are an RRSP. And these accounts are like vehicles, you treat them as a vehicle. Within those vehicles, you can hold, various different things. So you've, we've got your RRSPs, which are your registered retirement savings plans. We've got your TFSAs, your tax-free savings accounts. We've got RESPs, which are your registered educational savings plans for your children. And then you've got a non-registered or an open account, depending on how you would classify it. Those are various accounts that As Joe mentioned, you can hold savings accounts, you can hold mutual funds, you can hold stocks or bonds, all depending Mm -hmm. on your risk tolerance and what your objectives are. So understanding that those various types of accounts all have different benefits, different pros and different cons to them, depending on your situation, but all help you in the growth and the evolution of your financial situation and, and your financial well-being. Yeah, and um, maybe we should talk a little
2: bit about some of the short-term benefits, other than the immediate tax benefit, right? So immediately you're getting that tax benefit. Again, you're saving that three hundred or four hundred dollars based on the thousand dollar RSP contribution. That's money in your pocket. It didn't go to the government. Okay, so now what do you do with that money? What can you do with that money? Well, obviously, then you, you can decide, OK, hey, I've got a mortgage. I want to pay down my house. So you put that against the mortgage. Great strategy. Very, very simple to implement. You know, completely legitimate, too. So, you know, you can use that to pay other loans down. You could take that investment uh, or or that savings and you could put it into a tax free savings account and get that to grow for you or you can roll it into next year's RSP contribution mm-hmm. so there's all kinds of short term strategies but maybe we should talk about sort of you know maybe that younger generation in terms of how they can really leverage an RSP especially if they've got one built up for for other things
0: yeah, well, I think the, the 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 traditional way RRSPs were viewed is is if you're over sixty thousand dollars, you contribute to your RRSP and you get that tax savings. But I think there's kind of been a, a shift and and in, in a contrarian way, and I think it's powered by that time value of money. Getting that money now that'll help you get a. To achieving your goals that that your short term goals that you have right now. And, and that's using the, the benefits that an RSP can have. So I think the first one we should talk about would be the, the home buyer's plan. So Joe, do you want to dive into exactly what the homebuyers plan and how you can take advantage of that within your RSP? Yeah, it's it, it's a great plan that
2: that you can a lot of the younger people can utilize in order to buy their first house. Wouldn't that be great? So here, let's back up. We, we're putting money in to an RSP. We're getting that tax savings right away. So we're building up that RSP account. Now we're we're. Poised to buy a house, but we can't come up with a down payment, which is gonna be a difficult thing for many people because the prices in this are market. it's crazy these markets and mm-hmm. stuff. So, okay, so you need a down payment. where do you look? Well, hey, I've got this RSP, and I know it's 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 meant for me for when I retire, but I could really use some of that money for my down payment. Well, let alone hear the government. Thank you, <laughs> the government. They says, hey. We've got this home buyer's plan. You can actually take money out of your RSP, not have to pay any taxes on it, up to a maximum of, I believe, $25,000. Actually, they
1: just increased it to $35,000.
2: Thank you, that's great. (laughs) Wonderful. So, $30,000 that you can take out, 35,000 that you can take out of your RSP and not have any tax implications in order to help you with your down payment. It's great. It's it's a win-win situation, and you're you're utilizing that. Now there is one caveat that you have to kind of put either put the money back into the RRSP over a fifteen-year period, so it's it's a long sort of process, so you don't have to worry about it that much, or you just add uh, it into your income annually over that 15 year period. Yeah. So in the end, you're really benefiting on the short term for something that's a long term product.
1: Yeah. And another thing to know is if you're a couple and you're buying your first home together, that's $35,000 each from your RSPs. Now, of course, you do have to have that in your RSPs to take it out too.
0: And the one uh, thing to note, too, is they actually give you a two year buffer. So from the point where you purchase your house, you actually don't need to start putting that money back into your RSP for two years. And then it's 15 years from that point. So technically, it's 17 years after you buy that house that you, you know, have to start have to have it fully paid back into your RSP or have claimed it as income.
1: But let's also keep note that a lot of people, when they contribute to their RSPs, they're doing it through a group plan or they have a regular payment that coming automatically out of their bank account. So you're automatically paying back some of that usually right away.
0: Yeah, exactly. People. It's just about allocating it when it comes to tax season. But, but one interesting strategy that I think, you know, is I, I haven't heard too, too much about it, but it, it's something that, that a lot of people have been taking advantage of is, is doing a lump sum RSP contribution right before you purchase a home and then u- utilizing the plan. Um, so, and that's, again, that time value money, getting extra money to help you with that down payment, help you with the settling costs, lawyer fees, there's so much costs associated with buying a home that. Um, the important information to know is the money only needs to be in your RSP for 90 days before it's eligible to be withdrawn for the home buyer's plan. So that means just over three months before you purchase a home, you can make a contribution, still receive the tax credit for it, and then utilize that money for the home buyer's plan. So if you're, if you're looking at your situation saying, Hey, I could, I could use a little bit more money, make that lump sum deposit, do the, you know, talk to an advisor and and run the numbers to see, is it beneficial for me to add to my RSP to top up the RSP and then just use use the money that way so that I can get a bonus or a boost um, going into actually purchasing the home and closing and, you know, helping out with all those closing costs.
1: Yeah. Just one note of caution is you really do need to talk to your advisor for that strategy, just to make sure you're not incurring fees that you weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. Because if your advisor is not aware, they may not uh, set up the account in a way that would prevent you from getting fees.
0: Yeah. And make sure, make sure your intentions are clear on that. That's, that's Mm -hmm. the important thing for sure. Yeah. Along the
2: same lines as a short-term benefit is that the long-time learning plan as well, which kind of works based on, or lifetime uh, learning plan that is basically Mm -hmm. the same idea as the home buyer's plan, where you can actually take some of the money out in order to help you with uh, future education costs. So that might be something that you can utilize. So there's a lot of benefits to having the RSP, not only on the long term aspect, but certainly there's some short term benefits that would help everybody. And of course, there's that tax benefit. So again, if you want to keep paying taxes, go right ahead.
0: <laughs> and I think what, one thing to be clear too is is some people uh, there there's some there's a there's a notion out there that if you contribute to an RSP, it's locked in and you don't have access to it until you retire. And I think it's important that we clarify that's that's false. You know, you can access your RSP for the most part it depends with group RSPs or with um, pensions through your employer it may be different there may be some provisions where certain funds are locked in but if you're contributing to an individual plan that you've opened up you do have access to to those funds in you know in the case of uh, financial hardship or an emergency uh, that you might need it Uh, they're not locked in forever and if you decide to retire early well that's fine you can start using those funds if you retire early as well
1: yeah the only note is they will charge you withholding taxes it's like you're prepaying your ink part of your income taxes which is also reported on your slip when you uh, make a withdrawal from an rsp so it is a bit of a deterrent but it is um something you can do for sure
2: so i think one of the big questions that are often asked is especially since 2009 and the tfsa was introduced is Mm -hmm. should i Focus more on a TFSA or should I focus more on an RSP? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, TFSAs are definitely the new one in town, that's for sure. So, a lot of people have been introduced by TFSAs by their bank. You go into the bank, the teller says, Hey, I noticed you don't have a TFSA. You want to open one, you'll save on these fees, we'll give you a great rate. And so, a lot of people have had them as bank accounts. And that's great. Um, More and more people are realizing the full extent that you can use a TFSA. You can invest everything in a TFSA that you can in an RSP. So it has become a really great tool, especially for the younger generation. Maybe they aren't going to get the tax savings on an RSP contributions that somebody who has a more established and well-paid salary is going to do. So TFSA is a good option, especially for people who are saving for retirement, but don't need that tax write-off right away.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that that's the the deciding factor is the tax benefit, right? So if there's a more of a tax benefit, the RSP is your better choice for long-term savings. Whereas the TFSA, quite honestly, a TFSA, if you have a mortgage still, I don't understand why people have a TFSA when they have debts and have mortgages. Because it does, it just so that they can walk around and say, hey, I've got a TFSA. But like, it doesn't make sense because most of them, Uh, especially the ones at the bank are sitting in a savings account doing absolutely nothing. So there's really no tax savings there. Whereas that money can be utilized to pay down the debt that they have and keep their debt down and, and uh, reduce the amount of interest that they're paying on that debt. So you got to really strategize and, and, and there's a point in time where TFSAs really make a lot of sense. And it's often in a case where you have really good cash, flow and surplus cash. That is really the the key thing. And often we see that at a later age with many clients is that they've paid their houses off, they've paid their expenses and whatnot, they've maxed out maybe their RSP completely. And so they still have cash flow. Now is the time to have that TFSA so that you can then shelter again. So you're not getting a tax deduction. So let's let's be clear here. You're putting money in a TFSA. It's not getting a tax deduction like the RSP, but it is growing tax free within the tax free savings account. And again, completely tax free, even when you take it out. It's a great, great tool that they've implemented. It's really too bad that that there are limitations on how much money that you can put into it.
1: Yeah. Another thing for to be a little cautious about a TFSA is if you are a spendthrift, because there isn't any tax consequences for pulling money out of the TFSA and you're trying to save for uh, retirement or some big purchase in a TFSA, it might not be, be the best option because you can just pull the money out at any time. There's no consequences for doing it or very few consequences for doing it.
0: And there are limitations for um, like pulling money out of a TFSA and in how that impl- uh, impacts your contribution room differently than, than an RSP. So it's important to discuss with an advisor kind of the balance and understanding, you know, how much you can contribute and can withdraw um, and when you may or may not get that room back. So um, that's important to know. But I think when, when we, when we do look at that conversation, that is, you know, should I contribute to my RSP or should I contribute to my TFSA or should I pay down my mortgage? I think there, there is a, there's a happy median for all, um, you know, and, and it's very situationally based. And again, there's lots of, um, there's lots of variables that go into is, you know, what's your risk tolerance like, or, or what are your priorities? What are your goals? Um, and, and so that, that answer, and when we get the general question, you know, RSP or TFSA or pay down my mortgage, it's very situationally based. And I think it's important that, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefits that you could get from having, um, you know, somebody look at that tailor a plan or a tailor, a strategy that's to your goals, to your risk tolerance, to your, objectives in life in the short and long term. Um, and that way you can optimize your strategy so that you're, you're on the best track to, to getting to where you want to be. Um, utilizing all of the resources that the government's gifted us with the RRSP and the TFSA and, you know, and, and improving your situation um, the best you can with them.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Brad, because there are definitely multiple strategies that could be used with these accounts. And we've only mentioned a few of them. So, you know, it's definitely important to talk to your financial advisor and see what strategies work well for your, your plan.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think we've, we've dove into a little bit of the tax strategies. But uh, Joe, why don't you talk about um, we're right now in it, right? Uh, the first 60 days of, of the new year. Um, how can we uh, assess our situation now heading into almost filing our tax returns? Um, how can we even, you know, utilize the RSPs now to, to really benefit us heading into the tax return season?
2: Uh, so as you're listening to this podcast, you need to, you know, quickly go pull out your notice of assessment and p- pull out your T4 slip or your last you know, um, uh, pay stub from 2020, and begin some calculations and determine. You know, does it make sense for me to have an RSP? The government allows us within the first 60 days of the new year is to make an RSP contribution, and then use that contribution for the previous year. So you are in an ideal situation right now, if you want to take advantage of this tax strategy. So you can put money into your RSP and you utilize it for your taxes in 2020. So people will say, well, where am I gonna get the money? What if I don't have five grand? What if I don't have 10,000 and stuff? Well, here's another sort of not much of a surprise, but money is cheap out there and there's all kinds of lending programs and you can actually leverage and actually lend borrow the money, whether it being on your line of credit or whether it being an actual RSP loan to put it into the RSP. In a lot of cases it does make sense. You have to be comfortable with leveraging as a whole. There is a higher risk in investing overall when you're borrowing money. So be aware of that. You know, maybe when the refund comes in, take that refund and direct it towards the RSP loan. Try to pay that RSP loan as quickly as possible. Um, again, you got to be careful when you're borrowing for investing overall, and especially in an RSP strategy.
0: Yeah, I think that strategy, again, it's, it's a little bit higher risk. So ensuring that you have that conversation, if you are going to consider any, any leverage, um, that you do have that conversation with an advisor. But I think understanding that you've got right now, these uh, up until March 1st of this year to contribute to your RSP and receive the tax refund a few months later, right? Uh, Just a couple months later, you'll get it because it's impacting your 2020 taxes. So, um, you know, if you're looking, if you've got some money that you want to put aside or put away, um, whether it's you're planning on buying a home in the next few years, or you're just trying to save for retirement, uh, and you want a little bit of a kickback, now is the time to do it, because you'll get the kickback very shortly uh, in the upcoming months.
2: Yeah, and so then the other, well, obviously, we've talked about the tax strategy of just using a TFSA, because that's a great strategy if you have <laughs> surplus cash. And, and I think one that maybe at one point we need to del- dive a little bit deeper into is using an alter- alternative investment vehicle like insurance. And there we're yes. talking whole life insurance, like permanent insurance. So that is an amazing tool. That will provide sort of that risk management side of, of your uh, portfolio to protect, you know, should something happen to, to you and protects your estate and protects, you know, the, uh, the people that you love. As well, a lot of people don't understand on these whole life or permanent insurance that the fact that within that policy, it is growing. You have a cash value that grows, that's getting invested and it grows tax free completely. So it becomes like a big TFSA account. It's an amazing product. Uh, I think we need to kind of probably do- dive into it on a full session because it is hard to kind of wrap your head around. But and it's not just for the sake of when you die. You, there are mechanisms that you can use that money while you're alive, that cash value. So it's definitely a strategy that's overlooked by many. Uh, and uh, if you're young enough to to start it, it's easy to get approved because hopefully you're healthy, and you can you can uh, um, be approved by the insurance company and start at an early age. To, to the point where it will build a nice, nice uh, cash value for you that you can even use for retirement.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely something that warrants its own podcast um, diving into insurance. But I think uh, the traditional sense and when you hear the word life insurance, when you hear the word insurance, everybody squirms, you know, you don't like to hear the sound of it. But I think it's uh, it's important to know that there's been so much evolution in the space over the years and and seeing it now as an alternative investment vehicle and understanding the the mechanics of it is really important because it can definitely benefit you, uh, not necessarily for necessarily when after you die. But, um, while you're still alive and while you're, um, there's lots of benefits to it, um, to, to protecting some of your savings and protecting some of your assets. So. Definitely something to look into in future episodes. We've we've talked about a lot today. We've we've kind of uh, dug into the RSPs and many different uh, uh, avenues. We've touched on a few other accounts, um, but again, one of the big takeaways I think I want any listener out there right now uh, to do is is there's so many different strategies involving RSPs and the various different investment accounts, um, and it's very situationally based. So if you do have any questions um, or you're looking to get started, uh, send us a message. We'd be happy to to have a conversation with you and see what strategy might work best for you and how you can get started, uh, on best utilizing these accounts and taking advantage of what's out there to help better your financial situation. So thank you so much for listening to this, uh, week's episode. Uh, if you haven't yet, we had an episode last week or two weeks ago, uh, which was our first episode back. Um, and we did a whole review of 2020 and dove into what the outlook was for this coming year. So make sure to check out that episode. And future episodes, I'm going to drop a few teasers here. We're gonna we're gonna dive deep into the world of cryptocurrencies, and uh, and also we'll touch on life insurance in a couple of the upcoming episodes. So make sure to stay tuned for that, and we'll see you with the next one. Thank you for listening. Please note that the opinions and ideas shared are from the viewpoint of KLT Wealth Management. They do not reflect the opinion or viewpoints of Investia Financial Services Inc or any other partners. The commentary provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. You should not act upon the content or information discussed here without first seeking the appropriate personalized advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We try to provide content that is true and accurate as of the date of recording. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information consumed through this podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Mutual funds and or approved exempt market products are offered through Investia Financial Services, Inc. Insurance products are provided through multiple insurance carriers and or approved exempt market products are offered through Investia Financial Services, Inc.